You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We have a very interesting series that we are going through. It's uh, entitled Redefined. So we're halfway uh, in the series. Everybody say halfway, okay? Eight of 16 uh, weeks uh, series here talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, One of the most uh, significant sermons of Jesus as he was introducing the kingdom of God to his disciples, his main audience, by the way, during that time, were his disciples. And there were people who were gathered who were not really his disciples, but they were potential disciples. They were onlookers, and they were listening in. And as he was addressing this uh, Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about the kingdom of God, and he was introducing himself as the new king coming into the kingdom of God, and how we as citizens of the kingdom are to think, and how to feel, and how to uh, have motives, and how to behave as well. Uh, We talked about us being salt and light, and then we went on to talk about the different antithesis. Everybody say antithesis. These are the relational sections of chapter 5 of Matthew. And uh, for the past uh, five weeks, we've been talking about those antithesis. And Jesus, every time he would start this statement, you have heard it said, and then he would actually follow it up by saying, but I say to you. And then he, so he said, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, if you hate. So, so he was redefining the law then and how it's applicable to us now. So he talked about murder. He talked about adultery. Of course, part of the adultery uh, is lust and divorce. We just uh, put that all in one, uh, in one section. And then we talked about uh, bearing falsely uh, and swearing. And so let your yes be yes and your no be no. Last week we talked about uh, non-retaliation, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. How many of you learned something last week? Please raise your hand, okay? I hope that you have not retaliated uh, or, you know, got back or gotten even uh, with any of those people who've offended us. So last week's topic was non-retaliation. And today is actually um, another interesting topic that is somehow related to non-retaliation. And it deals with these two emotions, love and hate. Now, how many of you sometimes feel or many times feel this emotion of love? Please raise your hand. Okay, I hope that you're feeling that today if you're seated beside your spouse. Okay? You love, you love God, you love others, and we're, we're, we're commanded to love. But how many of us also sometimes feel this emotion of hate? Don't raise your hand anymore. We have these two extreme emotions of love and hate. We love the people who love us. How many of you know that is so natural for us? You love the people who, you know, who, who you love, who's dear to you, who's near to you. You love your family. How many of you love your family? I hope you're raising out your hand. How many of you love your friends? Okay. You know, how many of you love God? Of course, we love God. How many of you love this church? Okay, so we have certain people around us that we naturally and normally love. Now, how many of us have people that we hate? People who hurt us, people who offend us, people who are considered enemies, probably. You know, I remember this particular. Uh, 
cartoon, you know, spy versus spy, you know, they seem friends, but they're really enemies. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at this particular section. This is the last and the sixth antithesis, the last section of uh, Matthew chapter 5, and it's talking about us loving the people that we normally hate. So I'd like to invite uh, everyone to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Beginning in verse 43, Matthew chapter 5 from verse uh, 43 to verse 48. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. You therefore must be perfect. Everybody say, be perfect. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. Once again, Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as the one who is here and is present to teach. Open up our hearts to receive what you want to speak to us as individuals and as a church. Lord, we ask that you would change our mindset and even change our motives every time we would deal with situations that we're tempted to hate people. We thank you, Lord God, that we will respond uh, out of love, because you first loved us. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Loving your neighbor is, uh, is quite easy. In fact, the story of the Good Samaritan, that we've heard of that. If you will recall, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, one of the Beatitudes is, Blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted. How many of you have been persecuted, uh, and you've had enemies? Now, now, let me ask you this. How many of you have enemies? All right. Or people who hate you. People who hate you. Or people you hate. Is that better? Is that a better question? How many of us have people that we hate? This is probably one of the things that Jesus has confronted. And he was trying to redefine and review what the law was saying. Because he was telling the people, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. It's a two-part command that he was trying to clarify that was given to them before that they've heard. Of course, loving our enemies is not so much natural for us. You know, the Leviticus law, talking about the, the loving our neighbor is, you know, when a scribe asked uh, Jesus, uh, what is the greatest of the commandments? And he clarified that, you know, the, the greatest command is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is kind of like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. In fact, this is the greatest love of all, right? Loving God and loving others. It's not learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. You know, that's the song. I believe the children are the future. You know, the greatest love of all. But it's not the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is actually loving God and loving others, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, this is where we see this command of loving others. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. It's referring to the Israelites. 
It's referring to a common nation. It's referring to a common race, the sons of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And this is where we see the second greatest commandment being specifically mentioned in the Old Testament. That somehow the neighbor that we see here is referring to the Israelites. The neighbor that we see here as they see the law, as they interpreted the law, is basically the Israelite community. If you're a Jew, then you're my neighbor. Anyone outside the Jewish community is not my neighbor, basically, is what they're saying. And Jesus said, all the law and the prophets hang up on these two commandments. These are the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You talk about love. Love is a very powerful emotion. It's more than a feeling. How many of you know that? We've, we've talked about love a lot. It's more than a feeling. Love is something that you hear, especially during February. You know, when you send out greeting cards and when you buy flowers and you, when you send chocolates and you feel love, you know, and you're specifically talking about someone uh, that you love and you want to honor that someone, a wife, a husband, a, a father, a, a mother, you know, you love out of emotion. But yeah, when you talk about love, love is more than feelings. Love is an action word. Love is a verb. We, we, we know that. And Paul said that all the commands are summed up in loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so Jesus tried to clarify and redefine that Old Testament law. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. And it was right. That was part of the, the, the law. Love in, in this particular section of Scripture talks about our relationship with others. You know, and there are different kinds of love. Storge is a love for a friend. There's eros, loving for uh, you know, the opposite sex, uh, which the world perverted as saying erotic. But you know, somehow eros is a good kind of love ought to be. You know, a, a love of a husband to a wife is eros. You're expressing your love towards you know, someone that God has given to you. Agape is a deeper kind of love. It's an unconditional kind of love. And this is where we get this word, love your neighbor. Agape or agapao. Ever say agapao. Agapao or agape. Okay? It means love unconditionally. The same way that God loves us is how we ought to love others. And it's easy to love our neighbors. Well, it's easier. It's easier to love our families. It's easier to love the people that honor us. It's easier to love the people that somehow is dear to us. But when you start talking about people who wronged us and who offended us, how many of you know that that is a more difficult thing to swallow? Last week, we talked about non-retaliation. That if you were slapped, how many of you, you know, know now what slapping the right cheek means? It's about... Losing a dignity, it's about dishonoring. You know, the human face is actually the most honorable part of a person, right? You know, you don't disfigure a human face. The reason why women put makeup is because a face is honorable. Amen, women? And when you put eyebrows and kilai, it means double honor. You know, it's more honorable. The reason why you put a crown on the head is because it means honor. But the moment that you slap someone on the face with the back of your hand, it means losing dignity and you're dishonoring that person. And last week, we talked about non-retaliation and what is 
our response when we receive a slap on the face, turn the other cheek? Does it mean that we're to be a doormat or to be abused? Okay, abuse me some more, you know. That's not the attitude, but turning the other cheek means to offer a hand of reconciliation, to non-retaliate. Last week was non-retaliation. This week is talking about don't just stand there, do something. Jesus is saying don't just be passive. Don't just receive the insults. Don't just receive this and you're turning the other cheek, but go further and show something to the one who offended you. Love is an action word. Are we here this morning? Love is not something that we just feel. Love is expressed. We show our love to our spouse. You don't just say to your wife, I love you. Show her that you love her. And reciprocate as well to your husband. Who is my neighbor? My neighbor is probably a friend, a brother. In the Old Testament, they looked at this, as I said earlier, a fellow member of the community, an Israelite. And the Pharisees defined neighbor very narrowly to exclude everyone but themselves. In fact, they are very kind of ex- exclusive in the way that they have defined what neighbor really means. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. It's easier to love. You know, it's, it, hate is just too much of an emotion. And when you talk about enemies, enemies is just but natural for you to feel the emotion of hate. I don't know about you, but somehow, if you've been wronged, it's but natural to get back. The popular teaching of the day added another phrase to the command, love your neighbor, and they've actually added, it was not found in the Old Testament law. Hating your enemies is nowhere to be found in the Mosaic law. But somehow, there's a specific group of uh, people that have added this. They're kind of exclusive, and these are the Qumran essence, a Jewish monastic community like monks. And they've hidden themselves in caves, and this is where they found some of the writings of Isaiah in the Qumran caves. And they were kind of exclusive, and they treated everybody, aside from the Israelites, as their enemies. And they've added this phrase, hate your enemies, aside from the loving your neighbor. The Jews consider the breakers of the covenant as their enemies. They consider sinners as their enemies, prostitutes as their enemies, tax collectors as their enemies, aliens as their enemies. So here Jesus is re-clarifying and redefining. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But then he said, don't do that. I say to you, love your enemy. So he's trying to clarify that you're not just to love your neighbor and love those who love you, but you are to love even those who hate you. And as I speak this morning, you know, you may be imagining in your heart or in your mind some people who've wronged you, some people who were offending you or who offended you. People you consider your enemies, people who hate you. I mean, is it really possible for us to respond in love? Is it really possible for us to, okay, na sana, you know, I'll just keep my mouth shut. You know, I'll just, you know, not do anything. I'll not retaliate. But yet Jesus is wanting us to step forward and express a little bit more than just not retaliate. 
What he is saying is, love them. What he is saying is, pray for those who persecute you. How many of you have prayed for your enemies? Lord, ubusin mo na sila. Kill them all, God. You know, you know, what kind of prayer have we prayed towards those who hate us and those whom we hate? Have we genuinely prayed a prayer of blessing towards them? You know, I believe praying for our enemies is probably one of the deepest forms of love that you can actually utter. You know how it is. You know, you're, you probably belong to a chat group or a thread, you know, or a Viber thread, and you know, like, for example, in our office, we have several threads. We have a pastor's thread, all Alabang pastors, and then we have a, uh, a Victory Alabang official thread. And so when someone is sick, we would actually just say, you know, praying for you or, you know, prayed for you. you know. Of course, uh, Pastor Rain uh, somehow exposed that, that sometimes you just put praying for you, but in reality, you just put that and you didn't really pray for the person. But prayer is actually something that comes from the heart. You know, you, you put in a little bit of emotion there. You, you give something out from yourself and you're asking the Lord to bless that person that you're praying for. It's normal for us to pray for the people that we love, but somehow more difficult for us to pray a blessing for the people that we hate. Are we here this morning? And yet Jesus is challenging the mindset of the people during that time and I believe even our mindset today don't just hate them, love them don't just love them pray for them who's our enemy? who do you consider your enemy? pastor, madalian you know, I got married to my enemy, no no I'm not talking about that, okay, you may have fought but he or she is not your enemy, okay, you're in covenant relationships with one another an enemy is someone that you have broken covenant with or that you have severed your ties uh, with. You have cut your ties with this person and you don't want to see the face of this person again, ever. That is probably what enemy is all about. Jesus looked at them on that cross and he prayed a prayer for them. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I found a Quote here, love your enemies. After all, you made them. And I don't know how you made enemies. You know, as a pastor, and actually basically as a Christian, I am not a person who normally would hate people. I would, you know, personally, I would consider myself as a peacemaker. You know, if, if, if I've offended someone, I would normally go to that person and ask for forgiveness. And if someone has offended me, if there's no chance for me to go to him, I would actually ask the Lord to help me to forgive that person and I'll release forgiveness towards that person. Of course, all of us are different. There are some people who are a little bit more uh, holders of grudges or bitterness, so to speak. But yet, I believe God wants all of us to move in the opposite spirit. If a person hates us, then we ought to go and show, even if it's so difficult, show love to this person. I think one of the most hurtful things that you know, any, you know, anyone can do to you is probably break faith and covenant with you. 
or become disloyal to you. And that can be true with a partner in the business. That can be true with a friend that you have. That can be true with, especially with a spouse that you have. Breaking faith, breaking covenant. And I hope that we will not have a lot of enemies and list them. There's a saying that goes, keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer. I don't know what that means. I heard that from somewhere. It's probably from Al Pacino. <laughs> the Godfather. Another quote from Martin Luther King is, love is the only thing that can turn an enemy into a friend. You know, we have a limited time here on earth. I was sharing yesterday when my love, Shirley, turned 50. She turned 50 already. She doesn't look 50, right? 49 and a half long. No, no, she, she looks much younger than that. But she turned 50 a couple of weeks ago. As she turned 50, she started counting her days. The Bible says in Psalm 90, verse 10 and 12, you know, we have 70 years, 80 years if we have the strength. The Lord has blessed us. But yet Moses was asking, Lord, teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so she somehow said, okay, if I'm going to live about 80, that's about 1,820 weeks left in my life. If we have the strength, 80 years, how many of you know that 80 is a, great, you know, a good age? 90 is even better if you have the strength, right? But she's just pegging it at 80, so that's 1,800, and you know, that's about three weeks ago, so that's 1,817 weeks left. <laughs> but the moment that you start thinking about the days that you have and how each day should count, you know, we tend to have a better perspective of what life is. And the moment that you start looking at eternity, everything that actually we have here on earth pales into comparison when you look at eternity. Your relationships, the failures that you have, your accomplishments, it's nothing compared to the eternity that we're facing us. I shared also that when my son Jerome was sick in the hospital, one of his favorite toys was a Legolas it was 2003, Lord of the Rings was high during that time. So he was holding this action figure, Legolas toy, the one that's, you know, the, the archer. And so he's holding that all the time. Uh, 2003, two months he was sick in the hospital and until he passed away December 28. And he left the Legolas toy right there. It's actually in my office as one of my displays in the bookshelf. Though that was his favorite toy, do you think he'd still remember that Legolas toy when he faced God now, enjoying the presence of God? I don't think so. That was his favorite here on earth. But when he got to heaven, I think he was, he's now enjoying the presence of God. You know, our life here on earth really is just so brief. And I hope that the relationship that we built here can be meaningful. God has given us opportunities to build friendships. And there are opportunities as well that the enemy has placed, traps, wherein we can be offended and we can actually hate people. But when you start looking at the relationships or the failure of a relationship in the light of eternity and how God has given us His ultimate unconditional love and forgiveness, I believe the response that we have as Christians and as believers and as sons of God ought to reciprocate what God has given to us in the first place, which is to love as well. Replace the hate with love. In a similar scripture, 
in Luke chapter 6:27, Jesus expounded this particular command by giving out action words. He said, love your enemies. And then he went on and said, do good to those who hate you. I mean, what kind of good can you give to those who hate you? Invite them for dinner, have coffee with them, treat them to a nice spa, you know, uh, uh, give them a gift certificate uh, of a sh- or maybe Shangri-La Hotel in the Four. How many of you can do that? How many of you can do good to those who hate you? How many of you can actually sit down in a nice restaurant and have dinner with someone who spoke ill about you, spread out bad things on Facebook and Instagram, and here you are, you invite them for dinner, and he said, I just want to treat you. I just want to love you. I just want to be good to you. How many of you want to try to do that this week? (laughs) I think it's going to be difficult, right? But Jesus himself is saying that. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Instead of giving out a curse, why don't you give out a blessing? The Bible says an undeserved curse will never be laid to rest. Even if your enemies curse you, guess what? The blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ is upon us always. Amen. And God has blessed us. The blessing of Abraham. We're, We're children of Abraham through Christ. And the very blessing of God in Genesis chapter 12 towards Abraham, he said, Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Let the curse not come out of our lips, but let the curse come out from their own mouth. But as for us, as people of God, I will choose to bless people, even if they curse me. Amen? Can we just give the Lord praise for that? It's a difficult command. But can you imagine if the people of God would rise up, if the church would rise up and say, I will bless those who curse me. I will do good to those who hate me. I will love my enemies. Can you imagine if the church will just obey the scriptures? There will be no church splits. There will be no enemies. There will be no you know, people you know, walking out because of you know, different doctrines, but we're going to just choose to love one another. And Pray for those who mistreat you. Can we actually pray for for them? Exodus chapter 23, verse 4 says, If you beat your enemy's ox, and this is one of the uh, social laws, social justice laws that was given uh, right there in in Mount Sinai after giving the Ten Commandments. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of the one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. What should you do? You shall rescue it with him. Rescue the donkey together with Shrek. No, rescue the donkey together with your enemy. Rescue the donkey with him. Don't just leave him there. Do something. If you see an enemy on the road with a flat tire, don't just leave him there and wish him you deserve it. But stop there and help and fix the flat tire and show the love of God towards this person. Matthew 5 44, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. 
For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. In other words, loving your enemy shows our identity as sons of God. I mean, are we really sons and daughters of God? Are we really children of God? It's merely a proof that we are indeed sons and daughters of God because His character is in us. God loves His enemies, the evil and the unrighteous, that He makes His Son rise on both. This is called common grace. Yes, we are favored by God. We enjoy the sun today, but guess what? Even the people who hate God are enjoying the same sun because of His love for His creation. He sends rain on both the unjust and the just. Loving our enemy shows our identity basically as children of God. The same nature, same love that He shows us is the same love we ought to show others, particularly our enemies. Be nice to your enemies. It'll make them wonder what you're up to. In other words, kill them with kindness. There's a song written like that. Kill them with kindness. Kill them with love. Kill them with prayer. Kill them with, if there's such a word. In other words, smother them. Show them an unorthodox way of responding to their hurt, and to their offense, and instead of getting back, go be kind to them and go forgive them. Do you have those people? People who wronged you, people who bullied you in high school, wishing na sana wag sila pumunta sa church na to in Jesus' name, you know. What do you do? You know, I heard of a pastor who actually had a, an experience in high school and he saw his bully friend walking down that church. Responding to the altar call as he was preaching. And this guy bullied him in high school. Made fun of him. Ruined his life as a high school student. He was tempted to withhold the prayer. <laughs> you go to hell. You know, he was, he was actually tempted to do that to this guy. But that he remembered how you know, he, he had the power to do that. But then he prayed for him. And their relationship was restored just like that. I mean, it's so difficult for us to act upon this. And we can go on and on. You have your story. I don't know your story. But my prayer is that we can have the grace of God to show love instead of hate. Not just to not retaliate, but to move forward and extend the hand of kindness Extend a hand of blessing. Extend a hand of prayer. In fact, put them in your prayer list and start blessing them. And say, Lord, I was deeply hurt because of, and they may be unbelievers still, but my prayer, God, is that you would open up their heart and bless them with the salvation and the forgiveness of God that even I don't deserve but I received. Different perspective. Romans chapter 12 says, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And then Jesus went on to say in verse 46, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same. I mean, if we're just to act just like the people of the world, then there's no difference. We're to act like children of God. We are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You and I have been redeemed, washed by the blood, purchased at that cross. Yes, it's difficult. As I preach here, I'm not saying that I can actually do everything that I'm preaching. By the grace of God, I will. We all have the same struggles. But I chose to forgive those who've hurt me. And there were several people who've hurt me, said things about me that were not true. And I just chose to forgive. You could file for a libel <laughs> if you want. But is that the way to act and show love and kindness? Love can only be the greatest when we love our enemies to the highest. It's difficult. The greatest love that we can actually express is loving God and loving others. Not just our neighbors, but even those who hurt us, even those who have maligned us and spoke ill about us. I mean, how can we do this? How can you love someone? Of course, if you depend on your own strength, it's impossible to do. But I believe the only way that we can actually do this is if we tap onto the power that God himself is giving to us. Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when men cast insults to you. Be glad because great is your reward in heaven. If people insult us, so don't get bad. I mean, don't get mad. Don't get even. Receive that and then bless them. Pray for them. Last word I want to highlight. Of course, we've highlighted love. We've highlighted enemies. But then... Jesus went on to say, perfect. You therefore must be perfect. I mean, what does this mean? How can we be perfect? How many of you are perfect? Please raise your hand. You know, it's, it's hard. And Jesus is saying, it's a red letter thing on your Bible. He's saying, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If that's the standard, then all of us are going to hell. Because none of us can actually achieve that perfection or that standard of perfection. Another version says, be whole as your heavenly Father is whole. That kind of perfection that Jesus says comes from his Father and this kind that his disciples, this is not actually us trying to perfect our action. This is walking it out and being perfect in the way God responds when we get hurt as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus affirms with his disciples, of course, that God is our Father. But the starting point of why we do good is because we are now given the nature of God. It's impossible for us to do this apart from the very fact that we have been given the nature of God. He is our Father. We are his children. We act like him. People say to, to err is human, to forgive is divine. But yet, I believe that as people of God, you are partakers of the divine nature as well. And by the grace of God, we can actually forgive. God's perfect love motivates us to love 
the imperfect. Only His perfect love will be able to cover all kinds of sins. It's not talking about us being perfect in our actions. It's talking about the perfect love of God in us, expressed and manifested through our friends, our families, our neighbor, and even our enemies. I want to share with you a short video before we ask the music team to come up here on stage. Story of someone who was guilty of 48 counts of murder and how the victim's family responded to him. Let's just watch this short video. On November 5th, 2003, all doubt of Ridgeway's guilt was erased. He pleaded guilty to the murders of 48 women. He'd made a deal to cooperate with the prosecution to provide more information on his victims and the whereabouts of their remains. In doing so, he avoided a trial and possible death penalty. Mr. Ridgway, how do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count one for the death of Wendy Lee Caulfield? Guilty. How do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count two? Guilty. 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 It's like he didn't have any remorse at all for what he had done. You know, he'd killed so many people, he didn't remember who they were, what they looked like. I just couldn't believe that somebody could kill all those people and not remember them. Neither could the angry relatives of his victims, who were invited to speak in court when Ridgway was sentenced to life without parole on December 18, 2003. You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that they didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a sister, and we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe and that is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. You are forgiven. It's a powerful statement. This emotionless murder was broken by three words. You are forgiven. Releasing him from all the guilt that he has done in the past. Now I realize that though we have enemies and though we had people who wronged us, it's painful what they have done. I cannot imagine what was done to you. I cannot imagine the pain that you have gone through as well. But if you can just put yourself in the position of Gary Ridgway in the courtroom 
We were also guilty of sin. We were also guilty of murder in our hearts. We were also guilty of adultery in our minds and in our thoughts. We were also guilty of all these things. Yet Jesus on that cross is also saying these same words, you are forgiven. You know, somehow our response is really dependent on our revelation on how much God has forgiven us. The Bible says, he who loves much is one who has received love the most. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were all guilty of sin. We were His enemies. I mean, if you talk about the people who mocked Him, the people who insulted Him, you may not, you and I may not be there 2,000 years ago at the foot of that cross, but we were there throwing stones at Him. Because of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions, we were all found guilty. Not only of 48 counts of murder, but thousands of offense directed towards His holy but loving God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, and that was a description in the Bible, we were the enemies of Christ. But yet we were reconciled by God. By the death of His Son, much, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. I believe the reason why you and I can express love not only to our neighbors, but even to the people who wronged us and our very own enemies, the people who hated us, is because of how Jesus has looked at us from that cross and that though we were enemies of Christ he reached out to us and gave voluntarily his entire love and in his entire life he spilled his blood on that cross shed his blood so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins the life is in the blood he gave his life so that we can be made new. That from this day on, you and I are no longer considered enemies of God, but we are all sons and daughters, children of God, affiliated with Him, partakers of the covenant, no longer aliens from Him. Let's just bow our heads right now and just thank the Lord. Holy Spirit, we are asking for a deep work in our hearts, even this morning. We, we've been hurt. We've been offended. Our response sometimes is to retaliate. But even as you have pointed out, maybe you are pointing out some people in our life that we have actually severed our ties already. We chose to forget about them and we chose to not want to see them and we instead of blessing them, we sometimes curse them even, even at night, remembering the offense and the pain that they have caused us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to release them even right now. Father, I pray for the grace to 
forgive. And if that is you, with you before God, just set up an altar before Him right now. And God is here. Set up an altar right before you. The altar, the cross of Christ. Just lay that person down before His cross and just say, God, help me. This is my enemy. And he hated me or she hated me. And he did this to me. It was unfair. I was helpless during that time. You may be a young person at that time when that happened. That might be a molestation. That might be an abuse. That might be a, you know, a backstab. That might be, I don't know what that is. That may be a breaking of a covenant. But Lord, we come before you right now and we ask that you would forgive us. And as you would forgive us from our unforgiveness, I pray God that you would release our forgiveness to this person, Lord God, who offended us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for your work in our hearts, even right now. Do a deep work of healing, a deep work of restoration, a deep work of, Lord, just turning the pain into that which is even a joy, Lord. Lord, we bless, we choose to bless those people who hurt us, even right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray for them. We affirm that you have loved them as well, just as you have loved us. Thank you for, Lord, the beautiful love that you have given to us on that cross, God. Thank you for your grace once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All across this room, maybe some of you are here for the first time, and this is, I believe this is a divine appointment for some. And if you have not received the forgiveness of Christ uh, that He's offering on that cross, and basically you're, what you're saying is you're not yet born again, and you have not received the gift of eternal life, I want to give you a chance to do that right now. If that is you, as all heads are bowed down, every eye closed, I want you to just simply lift up your hand and acknowledge that you are uh, desiring to receive that gift of forgiveness from the Lord and a uh, chance to start fresh uh, in your life. Anyone at all? Just lift it up before the Lord and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive the free gift of eternal life. I want to receive forgiveness. Even right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Let's all lift up our hands before the Lord. Just thank the Lord for His forgiveness, His salvation. Father, we are once again amazed with your amazing love, your, your forgiveness, your grace that you have shown to us on that cross. When you have given your son Jesus to be a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice for our sins, we don't deserve it, God, but yet you've freely given him to us so that we can be set free from sin and so that we can be made new. We thank you, Lord God, for eternal life. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that we are no longer your enemies, Lord but we are now considered your friends and your sons and daughters. Father, we ask that you would help us to move in love towards the people that have hated us, the people that offended us. Once again, we commit to you, Lord God, our relationships. We ask, Lord God, that you would bless everyone as we leave this place. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face Lord, you grant you peace. Father, we thank you that your righteousness, your peace, your joy will be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen and Amen. Praise God. God bless you all.